I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The, the, the winds of change are blowing through Raider Nation. And Silver and Black Today keeps you up to date with the latest news and views about your Las Vegas Raiders. Touchdown Las Vegas! Insight, opinions, and interviews. We're on the cutting edge of what's happening now. Now, now, with the latest on your Raiders and the NFL. Your host, Scott Goldbranson and Mo Moten. Welcome back. Silver and Black today, the 4th of July edition. Happy Independence Day to everybody here in the United States. And for all you expats or all you folks from the United States in other areas listening to us, Happy 4th of July to you. Welcome back. We are your podcast covering the Las Vegas Raiders only here on the Odyssey Network. Make sure you do us a favor. Subscribe to us. Wherever you get your audio, uh, we will be there for you, and we appreciate you doing that. And I say we because this show is two people. That's right. Myself, Scott Branson, and my co-host, Mo Moten. He's a national NFL writer over at Bleacher Report. Mo, happy 4th of July. Happy Independence Day. I know you're working today as we do a real-time recording of the podcast. We usually record the podcast the night before, but we are doing it here on the morning of the 4th of July because you just got back from vacation. Did you get rested, get some good family time in? I don't know about rested today, but I got some good family time in over the past week or so. It was a fun time. I got to unplug. I I noticed a lot of chaos on social media, specifically on Twitter, Elon Musk ruining twitter as we speak <laughs> so i didn't miss my i'm glad uh-huh. i didn't miss that part of it uh i did have some tweets here and there that that drew some uh interest from people people mm. got a lot of responses to some of the retweets that i had the few retweets that i did have but also happy al davis day i, I I'm, I'm sure we have to start the show just saying the late great al davis his day also on july july 4th Not, so that's right And we're going to spend this first segment remembering Al Davis on his birthday. Of course, he would have been 94 years old today, born on the 4th of July, 1929, Brockton, Massachusetts. So we're going to go over some of that, especially for you younger bucks out there who might not have been alive as much during his life or understood his legacy. We're going to go over it. We're not going to do that exhaustively. We just want to appreciate uh, Al Davis on his birthday and really His story, such a great American success story. So that's why we're going to talk about it. By the way, if you're watching on YouTube, Mo has an affinity for the Peanuts gang like I do. I'm wearing my my Snoopy 4th of July shirt. I have my, look at my coffee cup even, Mo. Look at, see, I'm patriotic in all the way. And that's the thing I want to say too, is that, listen, I know, you know, it's weird because everything you say these days becomes political to people. 
But what's not political to me is that we live in the greatest country on earth. Yes, we are a country of ideals and we don't always live up to them. Every day we, we're trying to live up to the ideals of all men are created equal, you name it, and we fall short all the time. There's no question. But I will tell you, I still believe this is the best country on earth and I I'm, I'm feel blessed and fortunate to be able to have been born in this country, raised in this country, uh, and it's given me a lot of opportunity as I know it has you too. Scott, that sounds like a political lean to me. No, <laughs> no, but, no you're, you're absolutely right. I, I, it's funny because there are days when I wake up and I, and I say, you know, could I have been doing what I do now for a living in any other country? Mm. You know, I, I basically, I, I create my own schedule for the most part. I, I do have guidelines I have to follow, but I, I, for the most part, create my own schedule. And, and I live a very comfortable life. And, and you just have to appreciate some of the some of the things that we have here, some of the access and some of the freedoms that we have here, because a lot of the things that we do here wouldn't fly in other countries. No, sir. <laughs> Remember, there are people who come here for opportunities. People aren't leaving. A lot of people aren't leaving for opportunities. A lot of people who left America go back to their homeland, their motherland country. I know a few people left in high school, went back, but they say, look, these, these certain things I miss about America. So mm -hmm. you're right about that in, in its freedoms. It's it's so true. And and there's no better place, actually, than where you live in New York City to understand that. Right. Because I could I could go on for hours of stories because I used to go on business to New York five, six times a year. And every time I got in a cab, I would I would take an interest in hearing the story of the people there because mostly immigrants. Right. All of our families, at least on, on my side, if you're from European stock, Right. Uh, a lot of your relatives, Mo, didn't have the option to come over. They were brought over. But still, you, you hear people who who come over and their stories. And it's fascinating because they might be working three jobs, working 14, 16 hours a day, and, and they are giddy about being here. So, again, we have a long way to go still. We have very high ideals in this country and we don't live up to them all the time. Uh, but but happy Fourth of July to everybody and and glad to do that. All right, let's talk about Fourth of July and Al Davis's birthday. You know, I was thinking about this because I see a lot of people talk about Al Davis. And I think, you know, I was talking to our producer, Mike Robier, before we went on the air about uh, young Raider fans. Right. So if you're if you're a Raiders fan in your 20s. At the very least, when the Raiders were last very good, i.e. they went to the Super Bowl in 2003, even if you're 28 years old, right, you were maybe five years old at the time, okay? So so it's hard to remember when you're that young, and, and you certainly didn't understand the gravity of or the history of Al Davis and, and like you had a parent who really walked you through it, and I'm sure there are some out there. But I wonder if on this day when we show appreciation for Al Davis and what he created with the Raiders and the brand that he created, um, if there's a full understanding, a lot of young Raider fans, I see, well, Al screwed us at the end when he was old and he was decrepit and blah, blah, blah. Listen, everybody has a decline in their life unless you're fortunate to, to, to take your last breath and you're in perfect health and all that and it's just your time to go. Uh, and, and I wonder, Mo, if the full gravity of Al Davis's impact on the game, let alone, not just the Raiders, but the game overall, if that's lost on some younger fans today. What I would hope is that documentary that ESPN at 30 for 30 mm. did gave some glimpses of what Al Davis was like and what he went through his battles with, with the league. I would hope that that gave a slight bit of 
a taste of what people missed out on if you were too young to understand or you just weren't alive to, <laughs> to know. But um, I even me, I'm I'm 37 years old, and I can't say that I and I'm deep into the Al Davis legacy because Al Davis, when Al Davis died, I was I was 25 years old. Mm -hmm. Now I was in my mid 20s at the time, but as far as the Raiders in their in their heyday years, as you said. You know, I when the Raiders are last consistently good, I was in my teenage years. Mm -hmm. So I can imagine what the generation behind me, if you're in your 20s, even your late 20s, what your fondest memory of the Raiders franchise is when you knew what was going on. But back to Al Davis, you know, when he was younger, you know, not in his last years, last days, you know, as the Raiders general manager and executive. The Raiders were a playoff contender, and they, they had consistency. And as we all know, the just win baby uh, mantra holds, and it still holds today, even though some of the people in the fan base may have wavered from that. <laughs> now it's kind of like just lose for Khalid Williams or just tank for Khalid Williams. Maybe that's the model now. But back when Al Davis was running things, it was all about winning. And a lot of the moves that he made that didn't work out, at least we knew that it was about putting a winning product on the field. Yeah. Now, again, the, the moves man that have been the best moves that, that worked out, but at least you knew that he wasn't going to sit on his hands and say, okay, let's tank for the number one overall pick. That was very on Al Davis. He yeah. was not going to, no matter what the team looked like, he was not going to tank for the number one pick. So it kind of surprised me to see the change in, in the fan base where you see fans say, we have to tank for the number one pick so we can get a new quarterback. And I'm like, do you know the patriarch of this franchise would be seething if he heard yes. that message come out of the fan base? Yes. Seething. And and there's a lot of, hey, if Al Davis was around, the Raiders would have done this, would have done that. And, and, and it's all well-founded based on past kind of activities of the owner. But I think, too, that if you look at Al Davis, one of the things, for, first of all, you talked about his his – his fight with the NFL and Pete Rozelle, which is, is so well documented in the documentary you talked about. But at the same time, I think also you go back to the creation of the AFL, which of course the Raiders were members of first and how he became the commissioner. of the, This is how respected Al Davis was as a football man, as a football mind. And to me, that part of it, even for me, I did not know. I knew Al Davis. Remember growing up, not being a Raider fan, I grew up with the same kind of mentality. A lot of people did with I was, oh man, who's that dude? He's always, he's the maverick. He's the rebel. He's the guy who's always trying to stick it in the face and his teams play dirty, all that stuff, right? Um, but when you look into that history, and that's why I invite, especially younger folks, don't just watch the documentaries, which are very good, but also read up and read about the evolution of the league because the NFL, you look at the NFL today, and we've been talking a lot in past weeks, Mo, about the value of Josh Jacobs and how the running back position is devalued because of the way the offenses are in the NFL now. Now, they've progressed much further than they were even when Al Davis was challenging the league vertically. But Al Davis is the guy who brought that. You look at him, you look at Don Coriel in San Diego, you look at Sid Gilman. Uh, of course, that's where Al Davis, he started as a Chargers coach before he went north. He learned from those guys. And then, of course, you add in uh, the San Francisco offense uh, in the early 80s as well. Al Davis was the guy who you're seeing today what started then uh, with the vertical game. I mean, that's where Cliff Branch, that's where Ken Stable, that's where these guys ca came from. That's where the offense was. And nothing pleased Al Davis more than speed, right? That's Cliff Branch, speed kill. He always loved the guy who was fast. And Mo, that modern offense today, while it's changed significantly, 
it started there with those guys and Al Davis back in the AFL years. Absolutely. I think if Al Davis was, you know, alive today, he, he would love the style of gameplay that's going on right now with spread out offense, throw the ball down the field, you know, spread the coverage then on the back end and pick apart defenses. That, that, that was his thing. And I, and I think, again, while I understand a lot of his pickups and acquisitions didn't work out in his later years, he had the right idea for the modern day NFL and the way offenses are run today. So I think, you know, if you, if you pluck Al Davis out from the, from the eighties and, and early nineties, he would do just fine in year 2023. Yeah, there's no question about that. And I think, too, you look at – I talked about it earlier, Mo, the, the, just the American dream here, too. Al Davis, where he came from, what he was able to do in the course of his life. And, you know, a lot of folks today, because of the modern NFL and because of the, the Raiders organization and really the discord and the dysfunction that it's had since his death and even right before his death, is this is a guy who – wasn't a billionaire, right? Like so many of the most NFL owners are billionaires. I mean, we've seen it. He was not one. Of, this is a guy who worked his way up, grew up in, in a great family, of course. Uh, and, and he went to um, graduate high school, 1947. I'm reading off the thing, Wittenberg College in Springfield, Ohio at age 17. He enrolled in college at age 17, right? So he went through this, became, went to Syracuse, of course, transferred there, uh, became a college coach, served in the military, a scout. This guy, Mo, you talk about it because, and you're always great about this. I know you mentor a lot of young writers and that is, you know, you started, you created your path. And if we all have people who help us, there's no doubt about that, but you started uh, and you worked your way through the ranks and now you are, and you, I know you want other things, you want to do other things too in the future, but this is a great example of there's no substitute for hard work and just getting at what you want to do and, and realizing your dream. Yeah, absolutely. His, his path is, is pretty much respected in what he became. And just to kind of parallel to other things I, I look at, and I know this is a, this is a Raiders podcast, but I even look at a coach like Eric Spolster of the Miami heat, same mm -hmm. kind of deal where you work your way up. I believe he started in the, in the, in the film room. Film, yeah. <laughs> so, so there's, you know, there are avenues here just, just to tie it into our independence day in july 4th like the opportunities here this is why people come to america this is why people come here for opportunities uh because of stories like al davis or stories like eric spostra into a very very low low scale to stories like mine i even though i didn't come here from another country I, my family's from the south and if i was in south carolina i probably, probably wouldn't have the same opportunities i had in new york city as you said a lot of opportunities in new york up here in the northeast but all of these stories from mine on a very low level to Al Davis, who became, you know, a, a, an NFL icon. Uh, these are the opportunities that are available here. If you work hard and you keep at it and, and you could tell Al Davis loved what he did. And the product is now you have the Raiders franchise, which is, which mm -hmm. is you know, in a middling ground right now. But the Al <laughs> Davis principles still live on with the fans who remember him in his heydays. Absolutely. Uh, and and we want to remember him here on his birthday. And again, I invite younger fans, particularly, read all you can about him, understand him and the legacy there, uh, and and what happened. Don't just focus on the last years of his life and the mixed results he got there. Uh, the man was always trying to make his team better, and there's nothing he cared more outside of his family than his team. So uh, happy 94th birthday. Al Davis from everybody here and to his family, of course, uh, as they call it, heavenly birthday 
uh, here on Silver and Black today. All right, we're going to step aside for our first break on this Tuesday edition. When we come back, we're going to talk about Mo said middling. The Raiders middling. Well, ESPN ranked the Raiders roster. So I want to, some fans, they feel it's not fair. Some fans think it's underrated. Some fans think it's overrated. We're going to talk a little bit about that. Where are the Raiders right now as we get set for camp here in a few weeks? You're with Mo and Scott. This is Silver and Black Today, an Odyssey original podcast. Don't go anywhere. At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter your search based on the qualities that are most important to you. Then you can book a free 15-minute consultation call with any therapist you're interested in seeing. So you can get a feel for whether they're the right fit before you commit to a full-length session. Alma also makes it easy for mental health care providers to navigate insurance. That's why 95% of therapists in their directory accept insurance for sessions. So you can find care that's affordable without stressing about the paperwork. You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit HelloAlma.com Therapy60 to schedule a free consultation today. That's HelloAlma.com Therapy60. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back. Happy 4th of July from Mo and Scott here on Silver and Black today, an Odyssey original podcast. Do us a favor if you don't already subscribe. Just hit subscribe and auto-download wherever you get your audio for our YouTube audience. Getting ready for some fireworks? What are you doing out there? I'm going to, Mo, set off a deluge of aerial fireworks over the pond in my backyard. My neighbors will love it, I'm sure. (laughs) Although I will say this, like I, I, I again, here, here goes the, the grumpy old man piece. You ready for this? Fourth of July. Why are people setting off fireworks like from June 30th until the fourth? Like what, what's the deal? Isn't it the fourth of July? Like I get it. And some people have to work. I totally get that piece of it, but it's interesting till like midnight last night on the third, I had neighbors. Fireworks are legal here in Ohio. Right? So People were going nuts till like three in the morning. Even the night before, we had massive thunderstorms and people were still lighting them off. What we're just making it a weekend, or what's the deal? Scott, you are fortunate. <laughs> you you'd be the grumpiest old man where I live because fireworks are going off since I don't know, early May over here. <laughs> so you, you so I'm lucky man, is you, what you're saying. Yeah, you're fortunate. I'm like June 30th. Try May 30th. Try try wow. April 30th over here. And they're Every illegal year. in the city, right? It, no, they're not. 
Oh, they're not. That you like here at art, just a quick lesson. Eric Adams cut down on the fireworks here. Uh, Right. So people go to go to Phil go to Pennsylvania to get their fireworks, bring them bring them over here. But at I remember maybe five, six years ago, fireworks would be going off the first day of spring. Like you would start to hear it a little bit. First day, literally, I'm not even kidding. First day wow. of spring, fireworks would start going off. And then Eric Adams came in. He kind of he kind of reeled it in a bit, but you still hear it. From here, I would say, I would say early May, I started to hear fireworks. It started to become more consistent around Memorial Day. So Memorial wow. Day for me over here in Brooklyn, New York, is like the official start of fireworks season. So you'd have the great, you have a you'd have a great time over here hearing it for about a month. <laughs> now, does, it, does it go through the whole summer then? It, yes, and it actually extends. Wow. Like after today, you could, here I'm going to hear fireworks for at least another week or two. Wow, that's interesting. Here, there, there's like seven days a year where it's legal, right? So it's it's of course the Fourth of July, it's Memorial Day, which is odd to me that it's Memorial Day. Um, then you have uh, Labor Day. You have a couple like Indian holidays. There's a lot of technology here in the Cincinnati area. So we have a lot of folks from India. So Diwali is one of them, one of the holidays. Uh, and then a bunch of other ones, right? New Year's Eve, of course. But my neighbors that are kind of kitty corner or catty corner, depending where you live in the country, um, from me, huge Bengals fans. And just let me say that they, they might be from like Kentucky. I'm, I'm just making a judgment. So they, at every Bengals game, every touchdown, doesn't matter if it's in the morning game, it's a night game, they shoot off fireworks. So it's it's a football season related thing, which is interesting, but I can appreciate it. Like if I had a Raider fan next door and they were firing off fireworks every time Jimmy Garoppolo threw a touchdown pass to Devontae Adams, I would understand it. I get it. I'm not I'm not opposed to it. But anyway, so that's it. Happy Fourth of July. Speaking of fireworks, speaking of either a really good firework or a dud, what is the Raiders roster? ESPN came out with the rankings, Mo, this past week. I know it created a lot of stir on on Twitter, you were involved in a discussion with some fans and folks that follow you, which is the ESPN ranked the Raiders roster out of 32 teams, ranked them 21st. Let me get your first impression. Is that a fair ranking for where this team is? Or are they ranked too high? Uh-oh, negative. Or too low? Too positive. I think it's about right. And I know fans are going to scream at me for saying that, but <laughs> look at the defense. Other than yes. Max Crosby, I mean, who's really playing? Who really played at the top of their game last year in that defense other than Max Crosby? And what did they add over the offseason to make that defense significantly better? Not much. So the Raiders are banking a lot of young guys. And I've wrote this in several pieces. The Raiders are banking a lot of young guys, rookies, and our second, third-year players, and some filling pickups bargain bin guys from free to step up and, and and to form a, a formidable unit on the defensive side of the ball now the offense is where you have your stars assuming josh jacobs is back at least we hope he's back for another season with the raiders not under contract right now Devonte adams colton miller you know you have jacoby Myers, who's a good slot receiver hunter renfro had a pro bowl year there's some there's some talent there but that's not enough to me to bring the raiders into the top half of the league because the defense just doesn't have any names outside of Max Crosby. And that's a lot of what that list is made of. You have to look at what the players did recently. Mm-hmm. And and though, again, though they have the stars and the notable names on the offensive side, that defense other than Max Crosby, <laughs> it's, it's like, who's who there. 
Well, and that's the thing. A lot of people were claiming, well, the offense is it's like, well, okay. So let, let's just assume let's let's for the sake of argument, say the offense is top 12. I, I, I can't say top 10. I just don't know. There's too many unknowns even with what's happening there with Garoppolo and all that. So let's say it's top 12. The defense is bottom four at this point. You can't argue that they are anywhere above 29 and that's being generous. I think. Mm-hmm. Okay. So if you say that and you average those numbers out, 21 is actually, to me, maybe even a couple spots high. And I'm not being overly negative. I'm being realistic to your point about the defense. Again, how many years have we sat here and talked about the defensive issues? Now, I'm not saying the offense is, is, is completely perfect and that they don't need some work on that line and depth and so on and so forth. And there's questions at tight end, I, although I think they'll be fine with the veterans and, of course, the, the rookie they have now um so so that that's fine too but to me this is fair and and i and i find it really interesting mo and i listen i don't mind and i understand we have some great fans out there like fabian like wendy who are very positive thinkers and i appreciate that in a world where we get so many people thinking negatively and and spouting all this negative stuff in social media i love it when i see fans that are excited about their team but I think they're also realistic, and, and I think you have to be, and it's our job here not to put on the silver and black colored glasses and tell you what you want to hear, but tell you what we really believe based on what we have. And I think, listen, I don't always agree with ESPN and what they do. I, I hardly pay attention to what ESPN does outside of some of their great writers, but I think that this is pretty dang fair and pretty a pretty positive outlook that could change if they can address some of those needs on defense or if some folks step up on that defense. Scott, I did the Bleach Report live show in my season predictions, and I said the Raiders are going to be 7-10. and 10. Yep. To me, a 7-10 and 10 team would rank in the 20s, late teens, somewhere around that, anywhere between 18 and 21. And there were fans who told me that I was too high on my predictions. There were fans <laughs> in the live that actually said, Mo, you're too optimistic on the Raiders. They're only going to win five or six games. So those fans will probably agree that the Raiders roster is about 21 across the league i i think where the pushback comes with a lot of fans is the distrust in espn because a lot of the espn coverage a lot of coverage across big media outlets has been negative because let's be honest a lot of these writers and i'm not saying this writer is part of that group a lot of writers and reporters don't follow the raiders very well right, exactly so they don't they're not aware of, of the roster changes the raiders may have made the raiders may have made some good roster moves and they wouldn't know about it they may have still put the raiders at 21 but in this case, I think it's accurate simply because the Raiders still have question a lot of question marks on defense. They have a couple of question marks on offense with guard position. I think they, they want Greg Van Rowen supposedly to take over at guard over Alex Bars. That's still a questionable spot. We don't know what's going to happen with Josh Jacobs, although the Raiders are optimistic about Jimmy G's return for training mm-hmm. camp. We, we don't know. He is coming off foot surgery. So if you factor in all of those things, even with Devontae Adams, even with Josh Jacobs in name, even with Jacoby Myers coming over knowing the offense, even with Hunter Renfro being a Pro Bowl wide receiver, it's still a roster that's, that has a lot to prove and has a lot of question marks going into training camp. So if you have a lot of you know position battles, chances are your roster is going to rank well on that ESPN uh, list. Uh, yeah, and I think you, you have to prove it out on the field. Listen, you have to prove it out on the field. So... It's, it's interesting, interesting time for Raider Nation because so many fans rooting for their team, rooting against their coach. I don't know how you can do both 
because if you're rooting against the coach, you're rooting against your team doing well. I understand if you don't like the coach, believe me. And I know people don't like it when I talk about my Padres, but I love my Padres. They are underperforming. And so guess what? Their manager is not, does not make me happy. Okay. Uh, but they're not, they're not performing well. Uh, and, and they have all the talent in the world. So I'm like, yeah, you know, I don't call for people to get fired, but man, he's, 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 he's really going to put himself in the position where he's going to get fired if he doesn't improve the performance on the field. And I think Josh McDaniels, that'll happen. Look, I, we talked about it. He'll get a year probably um, again, a, a year, third year, no matter what happens this year. So people need to get, get used to that, but you want your team to do well, the tanking stuff. It's just not realistic because the same people who in July are saying tank, tank are the same people going apoleptic, apoleptic when they are losing three games in a row, right? And they get all crazy. It's like, wait a minute, this is what you wanted. You wanted to lose. So <laughs> it's really funny how that changes when you get into the season and they roll into work in the Raiders jersey and people are making fun of them because they've lost four in a row. Suddenly they want to win. It's just, I, I think it's their, their different, just to be fair to the to the fans out there who are listening, I think I think they're different sectors of fans. They're a group of fans are, who, it's very interesting. who are who are consistent and want and think the Raiders are gonna win 10, 11 games. Shout out to those fans. We appreciate your support. There are a certain group of fans that say tank, 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 so we can get a top quarterback in next year's draft. And finally we can solve the position because Jimmy G isn't it. Shout out to those fans listening. <laughs> and then there are a group of fans that that just say the Raiders suck. Josh McDaniels is, is, a, is a horrible head coach. Yeah. It's all a disaster. It's all dumpster fire after getting rid of you-know-who, and he signed with the Saints. I, I can't. I, I don't like what the Raiders are doing, and I just, I just think they're a dumpster fire. Shout out to those fans for listening and supporting our podcast. Mm-hmm. So in summation... We we you know we love all the support from all the fan sectors, no matter what your point of view is. But I I just I just like to look on social media because they're just different camps of fans and where they are. Some of them former former supporters of the old quarterback. Some of them want to give Josh McDaniels a chance, a third year, give him a chance because they gave the former quarterback so long to prove himself. It's just all over the place. It's all over the place. Although I do find not all, but I do find that most of the people who are really, really not happy with the Raiders in any fashion whatsoever. Also technically usually don't like the shows they're listening to either. So they're very critical of us. They're critical of other shows that they watch. Because uh, I see some of these fans in other areas interacting, like with our good friends over at Raider Nation Radio or with our radio station in Vegas, the Bet, they seem to go negative on everybody. But but you be you. That's totally fine. That's that's how people. I for some people, I think it's stress relief, and they can just be completely get all their negativity and and trash talk out about the Raiders, and then maybe they're happy people outside of that. I'm going to assume that they are because I don't want to assume. Let's, that let's hope so because that's yeah. a miserable life to be. You know, upset be. about your team 24-7 and then have a miserable life away yeah. from sports. That's, yeah. yeah. But I do understand that being a Raider fan, again, I bring it back to my baseball team. I understand what it's like to have years of, of futility and, and how frustrating it is when you care about something and it never seems to pay off. But the Raiders being ranked 21st by ESPN, I think it's pretty fair. They have an opportunity to change that, right, to, to be better than what people think they're going to be. And thankfully, Mo, we're a couple weeks away from camp where we'll start to see that play out, which will be really interesting. And, 
And Scott, it happens every year. I, I would mm-hmm. imagine the Giants ranked low on these on these roster rankings last year, and they yeah. made the playoffs. So just remember, just because a big outlet or even myself or even another uh, sports pundit you respect and like and, and support their work says the Raiders aren't going to be good, it's it's just a forecast. It's not mm-hmm. a it's not a death wish. Like because like I just said, <laughs> the Jaguars and the Giants probably ranked low on a lot of these lists last year and both teams yeah. went to the playoffs the jaguar and they both won a won a playoff game so yeah. um just as you said they have to prove it on the field but as of right now before any football's played before a snap is made this is this seems fair to me yeah right now it is it is and again like you said things change there are surprise every season there are surprises right uh and so uh for those of you that look at the glass half full great thing for those of you who look at half empty you're fine all right we're going to step aside for our final break here on silver and black today when we come back we're going to talk about some very surprising numbers and stats that don't necessarily align with some of the narratives of fan groups out there we talked about not just fan groups but of people in general who might think that jimmy garoppolo is not going to be a good quarterback who might not like josh mcdaniel who think that Derek carr is a great quarterback we got all sorts of numbers this is the time of the year where we're going to get into that because there's no other news. No, I'm just kidding. This is really interesting stuff. We're going to talk about it. It did create a lot of conversation this past week. So Mo and I will get into that. You're with Mo Moten, Scott Branson. This is Silver and Black Today, an Odyssey original podcast covering the Raiders. We're coming back right after these words. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, You transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome back. It is the home stretch here on Silver and Black today, the 4th of July edition. Yes. We are celebrating our country. We are celebrating Al Davis, his birthday today on the 4th of July, 1929, Brockton, Massachusetts. We are doing that. And I say we. He is Mo Moten. He's a national NFL writer at Bleacher Report, also the columnist covering the Raiders. You can see him once a week there on sportsnot.com if you want Raiders-only content. He is there. I am Scott Branson, your co-host. You can follow us on Twitter. Mo is Mo Moten, M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N. I am at LV Gully. The show is SNB Today on Twitter as well. Okay, Mo, let's jump in. A couple of things popped out this week. One was 
around Jimmy Garoppolo. Now, we all know, and again, I preface this discussion because people will go crazy if I don't preface the discussion because that's how people do things. <laughs> Jimmy Garoppolo has a health issue. He can't stay on the field, okay? Number one. So before we talk about any of this, we know this. We've talked about it ad nauseum on this show. If you don't know Latin, you can look it up. Ad nauseum on the show. Uh, so we understand that. But Warren Sharp, of course, from Sharp Football, uh, posted a, a, a list on Twitter of the top quarterbacks passing from the pocket. And this is ranked by EPA. EPA. That's an NFL stat, which is, I'm going to educate folks here. Mo, you ready? And I didn't know what EPA was until I looked it up after I saw this, which is expected points added. This is the measure of success, which defines the value of each play by the effect it has on the offense's likelihood to score. And just so you know, in the NFL, you win when you score more points. Okay. <laughs> just pre prefacing that because <laughs> putting up a million passing yards doesn't matter if you don't score. Anyway, top passing quarterbacks from the pocket. Let's read these off. You ready? Number one, Patrick Mahomes. Not a surprise. Tua Tungavaloa. Tagovailoa. I'm, I'm tongue-tied today. Jared <laughs> Goff is number three. That's a surprise, right? And number four, Jimmy Garoppolo. Now, Mo, of course, those folks who hate Jimmy Garoppolo, and, and, and I say hate, I, I, that's a strong word, who don't like the signing of Jimmy Garoppolo, with good reason because of his injury history, uh, used this and said, oh, who cares, right? But he ranks ahead of Josh Allen. Talk about, to me now, this is this very important stat because if you know about Josh McDaniel's system, this is where everybody, oh, we got to get a running quarterback who can move. That's not what Josh McDaniels does. You have to understand the coach. And, okay, if you don't like the coach, fine. But that's the system. If you watch the Patriots, Tom Brady was not a very mobile guy. Okay? But he succeeded because they stay in the pocket. They run the system. Jimmy Garoppolo for that system is made for that system. And to me, Mr. Moten, this is why this number four ranking of a pocket passer tells you why it gives you insight into why Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels, despite the injury history, went for Garoppolo versus some other mobile quarterback or a younger guy. A few things here, and I'm going to try not to go off on a tangent. Okay, the, number, <laughs> the, first thing, the first thing is the EPA analytical stat. A lot, It's becoming more prevalent uh, among uh, analysts now using that yes. stat now that it's becoming the measuring stick. I know a lot of people, uh, a lot of other outlets use it and they champion it as the, you know, the analytical stat that they refer to. So I I've, I've actually dabbled in a little bit of EPA. I've actually included it in some of my pieces at bleacher reports. So that's number one. Number two, I, I, I quote tweeted this stat or list from Warren Sharp cautiously with a thinking emoji because there he had a stat recently that he put out and it was inaccurate you were on that thread i was Something, it was it was a radar related stat and uh fans immediately questioned it because it was inaccurate it was an inaccuracy there so i didn't i didn't delve into the list or or the numbers because not to question warren sharp because he does great work over there with his in his publication but you don't know where these numbers are, are coming from as far as how they were composed. Are there any mistakes? Who put these numbers together? But let's say, mm -hmm. let's take it at face value and say these are all correct, right? 
Jimmy Garoppolo being number four, you you hit the nail on the head there. This is exactly what Josh McDaniels wants. He wants a pocket passing quarterback. So all the people who went crazy when Lamar Jackson was going through his contract situation with the Baltimore Ravens, all oh, the Raiders should go out and get Lamar Jackson. All oh, the Raiders should draft Anthony Richardson. Those quarterbacks don't fit the mold of what Josh McDaniels has wanted. I know he's had Tom Brady for a long stretch. And Tom Brady is an, is great. He's he's a he's a living legend. But Jared Stidham, now he's mobile. He, he's known as a dual threat. I think coming out of high school into college, but he's not a guy that's going to take off running for three four hundred no. yards. He's a pocket passing quarterback. Uh, I know I know Josh McDaniels had Tim Tebow when he was with Denver. But if you look at his history, for the most part, he's dealt with quarterbacks who stick to the pocket. And when he's had quarterbacks, athletic quarterbacks, it hasn't worked out for him. I just mentioned Tim Tebow. Not a great quarterback in the NFL. I believe he completed under 50% of his passes for his career. Yeah, people bring up Cam Newton. Cam Newton had his worst season in New England, in New England. under Josh McDaniels. And, right. I keep, and I keep stressing this. And people say, well... The, Josh McDaniels had Cam Newton. Why wouldn't he want to sign number one? Why wouldn't he want to sign Cam Newton or get a mobile quarterback? And I will and I'll say this again: the Patriots signed Cam Newton late June. He was not a priority option. He was the mm. last option. Right. <laughs> he was the right. option that they had after Tom Brady went to Tampa Bay, and the Patriots didn't really have a succession play at the quarterback position. They were desperate, so they signed Cam Newton. He was available. Doesn't work for Josh McDaniels as far as yeah. mobile quarterbacks. He wants the guy's going to sit in the pocket, take some hits. Unfortunately, Jimmy Garoppolo is a little brittle there, but he wants a quarterback that's going to sit in the pocket, take some hits, and deliver a ball down the football field and be efficient. And that's exactly what Jimmy Garoppolo is when he's healthy. And this is why during draft time, I was in favor of CJ Stroud out of any of the quarterbacks because he fits the mold. People see, yep. they see CJ Stroud and they assume because a lot of people don't watch Ohio State. And I understand. I hate Ohio State too. But nonetheless, He's not a running quarterback. He's a pocket passer. Not Bryce Young moves around a lot more. Anthony Richardson, the, f- the future tight end, he moves around more. Will Levis is Will Levis. But but to me, that's where I, I see people. And again, I don't expect fans to understand offenses. Like Fans just want their team to win. I get it. But if you have a little bit of understanding and know that you need a pocket passer. By the way, Derek Carr on this list, it was 150 pass attempts was the number. Uh, ranked 19th behind Lamar Jackson, by the way, just one spot behind Lamar Jackson. And again, you, people look at the list and say, well, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo is not better than Lamar. It's not about being better, a better athlete. It's about being a pocket passer. So very interesting. Also, the other stat that popped out, Mo, was the, as you saw, created another Car Wars episode, which was uh, red zone scoring Ooh, percentage. Man. Derek Carr was what twenty seventh or something with thirty three percent. He was, he was he dead 30? last. Oh, he was dead last. That's what it he was. was. He was dead last. Right. You're so negative. Sorry, but I, I just <laughs> I knew was, I knew he struggled in the red zone. But Scott, he was out of like maybe 20, 25 names. He was dead last behind guys like Taylor Heineke. Behind, I mean, Geno Smith had a bounce back year, but. Taylor Heineke being higher than Derek Carr in this list was eye-opening to me. Yeah, I was on a Jets podcast last offseason. I talked about you know, the, the positives and negatives of Derek Carr because at the time, the Jets were considering Derek Carr. If you remember, there was some connection yeah. that will Derek Carr come to New York? People were saying, well, he's not built for the media here and whatnot. But I told one of the, the podcasters, Paul over there, Boy Green on Twitter, Boy Green 25 on Twitter is a great friend of mine now. Uh, I, Derek Carr, not good in the red zone. And I, and I had the numbers in front of me. Derek Carr was worse than Zach Wilson in completion rate. 
and production in the red zone. Can you imagine that? Zach Wilson, who is a bust. Derek Carr had lesser numbers than him in the red zone. I was like, if you're going to sign Derek Carr, understand you're going to need a running back who's going to have to close drives for you because Derek Carr struggles inside the 20. And I posed this question on Twitter, and I said, I wonder if the Saints have a contingency plan if Derek Carr's red zone struggles continue. They have Taysom Hill, who they use as a gadget quarterback sometimes, as a running back wide receiver. I can see that being an option for them. I don't yeah. want to turn this into a Saints podcast, but since we're on the subject saying this, Raiders fans know how Derek Carr struggled in the red zone. Jimmy G a lot more efficient when he's at the top of his game. That's where things could change because people want to and- say, well, the Raiders sucked in the red zone. Part of that is because of the quarterback. And isn't isn't Kelly Kreiner's favorite player still there too? Jameis? Jameis, who still thinks he's a starting quarterback in this league. I still think he could be, but he's he's got to leave yeah. New Orleans if that's going to happen. But my point is, in short yardage goal line situations, I can see him going in there because it gives you an option, right? It gives you an option to run the ball and do things a little bit differently. So, And, and again, before you start screaming, why are you still talking about Derek Carr? We talk about the list because he ranked last. Jimmy Garoppolo was in the top five again. In that list, scoring in the red zone. Mm-hmm. Again, system quarterback, pocket passer, dumps the ball off what Tom Brady built his whole career on. So we bring that up because people want to sometimes take how they feel about a player or the negatives. In this case, Jimmy Garoppolo, you and I talk about the negative all the time. He can't stay on the field. When he is on the field, though, he scores in the red zone and he's good in the pocket. Just, just to make that clear. That's kind of that's where that discussion came from. But but we also bring this up simply because and it's, this is not a Derek Carr discussion. This is no. more of a a red zone discussion. Right. So as fans listening to this know the Raiders have struggled in the red zone, right? So I so this is this is a Raiders For the last discussion. 5 years. Right. Part <laughs> part of that it's not all on the quarterback, but part of that no. is the quarterback. So sure. if if the numbers bear out and Jimmy Garoppolo is a top 5 quarterback in the red zone, the Raiders could see some improvement in that area. Now, let's see if he stays on the field. Yep. But he has the offensive playmakers to get the job done once the Raiders get inside the 20. The, we spoke about, I spoke about Devontae Adams. I mentioned Jacoby Myers. Hunter Renfro is still there. If Josh Jacobs signs, do they, or they come to a, an agreement with him, you can close in the red zone with him. Samir mm-hmm. White can come on. They, he has all sorts of options once he gets inside the red zone. Now, I know the Fortnite is a different, different team, different play caller. And some of that bears on Josh Daniels. He's gotta he's gotta change his play calling, so to speak, too. But I, I think if if those numbers translate, the Raiders should see some improvement inside the 20 yard line. And we're gonna talk about Josh Jake, excuse me, talk about Josh McDaniels and his play calling here in a second. But the one point I want to make too, because a lot of folks talk about when we talked about when when, when Derek Carr was still with the Raiders, we talked about the Raiders offense, we talked about the Raiders losing games. The offense, or excuse me, the defense has not been good. We know that. We talk about it. A lot of people want to blame what happened with the Raiders just on the defense. And that's a fair point, which is if the Raiders play better defense, they probably win more games. No question. But red zone offense has nothing to do with defense. (laughs) Let me just say, I don't care if your defense sucks, you could still score 60% of the time in the red zone when you have the ball there. I'm not saying you'll be there as much, right? Because your defense doesn't flip the field for you. But just to make that clear. Now, the other thing you talked about was Josh McDaniels. We also saw another tweet that triggered a lot of people, a a ranking of current NFL offensive play callers. The PCA model looks at how efficient play callers have been in various personnel packages 
and how often they've passed the ball in those packages. So this is the ranking. For, it's called uh, Ranking Current uh, NFL Offensive Player Calls, Formation Efficiency and Market Expectations. This is 2016 through 2022. That said, 2016 through 22, you have Kyle Shanahan from the 49ers. You just talked about him, Mo. Number one. Number two, Andy Reid. Not surprised. I would expect him to be number one, actually. Number three, dun, 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 Josh McDaniels. Now, when this came out, I retweeted it and said, it makes sense to me, actually, what the stat is based off of and what he's done. But that doesn't count the game management. It doesn't count clock management, which Josh McDaniels was brutal at last year. He was completely, in my view, inept for most of the season. Talk mm -hmm. about this, and I think, again, you have to compartmentalize the stat from the result because Josh McDaniels overall, outside the early part of the year, I think when he was still trying to get back into being a head coach, I didn't have a problem with his play calling as the season went on. I had a problem with how he managed the game. Now, first of all, I want to say to preface this conversation, the list was weighted by EP, the EPA is weighted by personnel usage for defined packages rather than being separate variables. So that that's part of the the list of the, the, the graph that was put out there. So there's that EPA stat again. Again, that's mm -hmm. a very important stat for the analytical crowd, for the crowd that's into analytics out there. Very important stat. So if you're out there and you're listening to this, learn EPA because it's becoming more prevalent. But I, I will say about where Josh McDaniel's list on ranks on that list is it's not surprising to me because I've said on previous shows that I believe Josh McDaniels is a pretty good play caller. Right. The problem is his management. Mm. And I said this during the season last year when the Raiders were losing games. I said, you got to feed Josh Jacobs. And he, yes. it took him a month to figure that out. It took him a month to figure out, wow, Derek Carr is struggling. I need to hand the ball to Josh Jacobs maybe 25 to 30 times. And when he finally did it, starting in October, the Raiders started winning football games. Was but you know the defense wasn't great. Derek Carr continued to struggle, and the season went sideways. But I think he just he just mismanaged things from a from a decision making standpoint. Now, mm -hmm. some people say that factors into play calling, but I, I think it's a little you have to make the differentiation between managing talent and making a play call and the success of it because estimated point points added. That's I guess that's where it comes from, but. I think overall, when you look at Josh McDaniels as a play caller, you don't you don't put him on the same tier as a Kyle Shanahan because Kyle Shanahan has had so much success and been in, and been in the success. Super Bowl, in the Super Bowls, yes. and Josh McDaniels hasn't. So you look at them and say they don't even compare. But I think if they both get guys that fit their system, and this goes back to our conversation about why Jimmy G is a good fit and why they went out and got Jimmy G. I think you see more success again. The Raiders were a top twelve offense in scoring in yards. Last year, even with Derek Carr's struggles, even with how clunky it looked for the Raiders overall, the Raiders' offense was still top 12 in scoring in yards. I know people, yeah. some people want to say, well, scoring overall was down. Well, it wasn't just down for the Raiders. It wasn't just down for a few teams. If, if we're looking at an even playing field, with, even with the scoring what it was, the Raiders were still 12th. Yeah. It was still able to score points. They with were. Josh McDaniels in his first year, with a quarterback who clearly didn't fit what he was trying to do, and that's why he got rid of him for another quarterback. So you have to give him his props for that. The problem, the blown leads, that's that's what yes, and that's absolutely. not game that's not 
Right. That's not part of this 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 ranking this list. But the no. blown leads are the problem. Had the Raiders not blown five double digit second half leads and at least you know came out with win with three of them, yeah. you're talking about a nine and eight team, and I think the temperature on Josh McDaniels would be a lot of, lot different. The talk, the discussion about it would be a lot different. But they did blow those leads, and that's something I think he also has to fix. Absolutely. And listen, I am far from sold on Josh McDaniels long term. So I, I'm with the fans out there who have have some reservations or a lot of reservations because of what happened, because of the blown leads, because of the game management. Clock management was not good, too, at times, which is why they blew some of those leads as well. And so so that decision making, that's that's the executive management. That's the CEO position of the football team on the football field. And I think that's where he struggled. But from a play calling perspective, I know some people don't want to give the guy any credit for anything because they don't like him, but that's not on, that's not intellectually honest. So that's why we brought this conversation up to talk about the fact that, especially after those first three games, and you talked about Josh Jacobs and his usage, when he went to Josh Jacobs, clearly he got the clue and understood it because that's why Josh Jacobs won the rushing title. And oh, by the way, for those of you still maligning, People like Jermaine Illuminor and that offensive line, you don't lead the league in rushing behind a terrible offensive line. I'll just say that, right? doesn't matter how good you are. Okay, if you're Barry Sanders, maybe. But other than that, um, so, so there's a lot that's going positive with this team, including the coach. They just got to put it all together. It should be interesting. And listen, when we get to camp, we're going to find out more. But with Josh McDaniels, we won't know till you know a quarter or a third of the way season through whether or not he's learned from past mistakes, whether he learned from last, whether this team can get a lead and keep it in games when they have the lead uh, versus what they did last year. So it, it's, it's, it's a mixed bag. I understand it, but we want to talk about the positive. People always sometimes say we're too negative. We're giving you some positives here about the coach uh, and we hope you appreciate them and it's worthy of discussion. People were coming at me on Twitter when I retweeted the, the Jimmy Garoppolo stat about him being top five in the red zone. People were like, oh, you're, you're trying to give us false hope, Mo? And I'm like, I didn't no. even say anything. I just put a thinking emoji and I retweeted it to put it out there because a lot of times I retweet things just to have fans have a discussion without It wasn't me. a subtweet. You were just sharing. Right. right. I was right. sharing the stat. It, it wasn't. Right. I, sometimes I put tweets out there like that without putting my opinion just so fans can have their own opinion without me injecting what I have to say over what other people have to say. So right. I just let the let the discussion go where it's going to go. And I just took a peek at the replies and a lot of replies like, oh, you're trying to give us false hope about Jimmy Garoppolo being a decent quarterback. <laughs> and I'm like, no, nah, I just wanted to put the numbers. These are the numbers. You can't argue. Numbers are the numbers. Now you can, can numbers need context, of course. The 49ers had a, had a great rushing attack. Kyle Shanahan is a mastermind at, at you know, gouging defensive lines with his with his ball carriers and and getting a good rushing game going but jimmy garoppolo's numbers bear out that, that he's a pretty efficient quarterback when he's on the field at the top of his game now you're not gonna have the vertical game that al davis that the late great al davis once wanted but you're gonna have less turnovers Derek Carr had some turnovers last not some he had several turnovers last year <laughs> probably was one of his most turnover prone years seasons as a pro Right. But you're going to have fewer turnovers and you're going to have less mistakes and you're going to have a, a guy, who, again, who's not afraid, not to say Derek Hart was, but a guy who's not afraid to sit in the pocket, take a couple of hits, even though he's probably, he might get hurt. <laughs> he's going to take a couple of hits and fire an accurate ball in the middle, in the middle of the numbers. Now he doesn't throw well outside the numbers, but in the middle of the field, and this is why I think Michael Mary, your guy, Notre Dame, is going to flourish very early because that's what Jimmy Garoppolo 
That's where um, he lives. You know, that's where he feasts on defense. Yeah. The middle, the middle of the field, the hashes in between the numbers. That's where he's at his best throwing. And it might be part of the reason he gets injured too. But, uh, and, and again, this is not a criticism of Derek Carr per se, as it is just an observation, which is Derek Carr in the pocket when the pocket is collapsing gets a little bit of happy feet. Now, there were a couple of years under John Gruden where he really improved on that. We saw some regression last year. Jimmy G, I don't know if it's personality thing or whatever, he just remains calm. He just He's very calm in the pocket, which is why the numbers we're talking about pocket passing. He tends to just stick in the pocket, which might get him injured, but nonetheless, they're just different. They're, they're, the way he sits in there, the poise he has in the pocket, and I'm not saying Jimmy G's a Hall of Famer. Please don't take me wrong. I'm just making the observation that when the pocket collapses around him or there's pressure, Garoppolo tends to kind of hang in there a little more than we saw Derek Carr do. So we'll see if that ends up in more injury or if it ends up in the Raiders being more efficient in that offense. So we'll see how it all goes down. All right, that's going to close out the show on this 4th of July. Mo, before we go, of course, you got everything going on on Bleacher Report, everything going on Sports Not. Let people know what's coming up this holiday week for you that folks, uh, fine folks out there need to read. Well, as I spoke with Scott before I got on and went live with you all today, I'm going to have a piece on DeAndre Hopkins. Which teams would be contenders with DeAndre Hopkins on it? Maybe the Raiders sneak on that list. There were some Raider fans who said DeAndre Hopkins and Devontae Adams, which would be a dream scenario. <laughs> is, is Do the Raiders make the list? Find out. Over on Sports Not, more training camp previews. Just about just going through, again, I, I had a, a question about each position. I think I'm going to go positive and, and just – some things that we can look forward to about each position on the roster. Cause as, as Scott said, a lot of fans say, Oh, you're too negative, And there's not a lot <laughs> positive coming out of Raiders before training camp. Well, I'm going to give you some positive. I'm going to give you some of the good stuff to look forward to before we head into training camp, which is up in a couple of weeks. Yes. Make sure you do that. Make sure you read all most stuff. Follow him on Twitter at M O E M O T O N. Uh, the Midtown Mo t-shirts will be here for the regular <laughs> season and you can purchase those. And I think we'll donate the money back to the One Nation Foundation, our good friend Murph. All right, Mo, have a great week, man. We will see you in just a couple of days. We'll see you on Thursday. Yep, enjoy the fourth. And shout out to Dan Salas, our guy, Dan Salas19 on Twitter. We talked about living the American dream. The guy has yeah. just closed on a very nice home. And, and you want to talk about a guy who's who comes from a generation of, I, I guess, people who are not, not I guess, but people who are not from America to, yeah. to build his way up and to have what he has today. Shout out to him. I, I, I watch his Twitter and I, and I see what this op, what this country can afford people who work hard. And he's a he's a prime example of that. So shout out to him because I know he's a good he's a good listener of the show. He's a loyal supporter of the show. So shout out to Dan doing his thing out there. That's right. I, and, and a shout out to uh, up, up above to my in-laws who brought my wife here. If I would not have met my wife, if they had not come from Cuba uh, in search of a better life. So good deal. All right, Mo, we'll talk to you Thursday. Sounds good. All right, for everybody here at Silver and Black today, happy 4th of July, uh, and we want to thank our producer, Mike Robier. We want to thank Momotin. I am Scott Branson. Do me a favor. Enjoy your 4th of July, but do not, I repeat, do not drink and drive. If you had too much to drink, make sure you Uber, cab, whatever you got to do, call a friend, get home, but let's make it a safe and sane holiday for everybody out there. We want to see you around when the football season rolls around. So for everybody here at Silver and Black today, happy 4th of July. Enjoy your day off. We will talk to you on Thursday. Take care, everybody.